And I wanna talk about the greatest Christmas tradition you can possibly have. By the way, isn't it good to be in the presence of God together? Just so good, just so good. Luke chapter two, I'm gonna start in verse eight. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. I find it very fascinating that whenever people encounter God in scripture, they are almost always filled with fear. And then the angel says to them, fear not. And it's a really interesting question. Why do humans need to be told not to fear when we come in the presence of holy God? For behold, I bring you good news. Could everyone say good news? Of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Or some versions would say, and on earth peace to those whom God has bestowed his favor. I'm going to pray. Father, I ask you to sincerely help me to speak this word as it should be spoken. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I do want to welcome you wherever you're coming from and whatever your background is. Maybe you're from another religion and someone invited you today. It is such an honor for me that you would be here. Maybe you've never been to a church or maybe you've never been to church in a long time. I just want to say it is a massive honor for us to have you with us today as we celebrate Christmas, which is an interesting thing. And I want to talk about traditions because Christmas tends to arouse traditions. I wanna to discuss today what is, what is the best, what is the greatest of all Christmas traditions? Now, to kind of do this, do I have, I, I thought I had some packets. Can I see one of these packets here? Give me, give, me, give me those two packets there, Ben. I got these packets here. If you didn't get one of these, we made these for the kids to kind of follow along. By the way, any of you kids, the points of this message are gonna be in here. If you'd like to follow along and color it, I would love to see your pictures. Anybody that wants to post these later, I would love to see any of the stuff that you guys got. Parents, you can do the same thing, though, in case you get bored with what I'm saying. You can, uh, you can follow along as well. It's kind of got some fill in the blanks. But I would like to ask, and this is right on the first page here, what, did, what is your favorite Christmas tradition? One of the kids talked to me. What's your favorite Christmas tradition? What? Christmas caroling, I heard somebody say. What's another Christmas tradition you guys like? Making cookies. Who likes to make cookies? Say I. What's the best Christmas cookie, by the way? Snickerdoodles. That's kind of fun to say. Who likes sugar cookies? If you like peanut butter cookies, say I real loud. If you like chocolate chip cookies, whisper I real softly. Peanut butter clearly won, okay? So what's another Christmas tradition that you kids like? Yeah? Decorating. Decorating. Who likes to decorate? Anybody else like to decorate? 
Does anybody like the tradition of presents? Does anybody like Christmas presents? Now, there's so many different traditions that people can have. If you are Puerto Rican, any Puerto Ricans in the house? Anybody Boricua? Make some noise. What do Puerto Ricans like to do Christmas Eve? Of course, there's music. Of course, claro que sí, la música. But how do you, is, it, is it baranda? How do you say it? Baranda. Maybe the best of all the Christmas traditions, it's kind of like house to house to house to house, food and music and all the stuff. Lots of flan. If anyone likes flan, that's my favorite Christmas tradition is flan. But what is the best Christmas tradition? I think we see the best Christmas tradition in Luke chapter 2. And I, I'm about to offer up to you a Christmas suggestion for all of us, which is going to be to follow the first Christmas tradition before you open a present, before you drink hot chocolate, before you put a final ornament on the tree, before you do anything else, I'm actually going to make an appeal this year that you consider making your greatest Christmas tradition the first Christmas tradition, and the first Christmas tradition was worship. When Jesus was born, born of a virgin, it's a miracle. When Jesus was born, this is God in flesh. Now, friends, I do not know how to explain this because I cannot fully explain nor comprehend God. There is only one God. We do not believe in three gods or seven gods or two gods or nine gods. There is one God. And this one God came in flesh, born of a virgin. Jesus, Emmanuel, Jesus, Yeshua, which means God who saves. And when he was born, the Bible says that angels appeared and it says that when they came, they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom God is pleased. Before the gold, before the frankincense, before the myrrh, and I'm preaching on that next Sunday. If you've ever been curious about the magi, the wise men, what do we make of them? Who are the wise men and what were the magi and what were these gold and, 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 and incense and, and myrrh? What was all this? Before there was bread for the hungry, before we helped the needy, before there was a candy cane, before there were elves on shelves, when God in flesh came, the beings who knew the most which were the angels, the beings who have vision of heaven and vision of earth, the beings that understand eternity and time, stopped what they were doing and they worshiped God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. And my question is, why would angels be worshiping? Now, part of it is there is an enemy, there is a devil, there is a Satan. The devil hates worship. He hates worship. God loves worship, and it's not because he has an ego. It's not because he's arrogant, because the most humble being in the universe is God himself. The reason God loves worship, the reason worship, there's a, there's a stunning reality that I need you to sink your teeth into. This is the entire message today. It's this. When God gets the glory, we get the peace. When God gets the glory in heaven, we get the peace on earth. When God gets the glory from our lips, we get the peace in our hearts. How many of you know this is true? Have you ever come to church and you were weighed down, you were burdened, you were stressed, you were anxious, you were so weighed down with burdens and you don't know how it happened, but you began to worship God and as your vision lifted and as you worship God, nothing changed on the outside, but peace came on the inside. Has that ever happened to you? How in the world does he do that? 
What I can tell you is this, when God gets the glory, you get the peace. Before we're done, I'm gonna be challenging everyone here to say, I'm telling you, listen, Christmas, it's so ironic because Christmas is the season that we sing about peace and often feel the least. It's the season when we talk the most about peace and yet there's more suicides. There's more depression during this time than any other time. So as much as a game of peace that we talk, we don't experience that peace. Why does God love worship so much? Why were the angels worshiping like they were? Why did God allow shepherds who were freaked out when they saw these worshiping beings to worship? It's because when God receives the glory, we receive the peace. Now this word peace in Hebrew, the language that Jewish people would have spoken, is the word shalom. Everyone say shalom. Now, shalom is an interesting word. It's way more than the way we use the word peace, which often gets used to just mean the absence of war or the absence of conflict or the absence of something wrong. This word shalom was an interesting word because it really meant something more like it was, it was this idea of, of making everything right. Now, what's gonna happen for the rest of this sermon today, I wanna do something, which is every time I say the word peace, I want all the kids to say shalom. So, for example, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Well done. Well done. Some of you parents are going to catch him before we're done as well. So we're in a world right now. I mean, everybody is looking for peace. And they don't know where to find this peace. And people search for peace in the air. They search for peace in a box. They search for peace with a fox. They search for peace everywhere. They even search for peace with green eggs and ham. But as much as we search for it, we don't find it. Now, it's interesting, this word shalom, in, in Exodus 21 and 22, like 13, 14 times, there's a verb that gets you. It's the, the Hebrew word shalom, okay? We would get this, this idea of shalom comes from shalom. Shalom means to make something right. It was the idea like someone's done someone wrong. When you need to go make it right, you need to, get, you need to make vindication. You need to make retribution. You need to make reparations. The idea of a reparation or a retribution or a making something right was to shalom something. Now, by the way, in, in Arabic, if we have any Arabic speakers, we would say salam. Someone might say, you know, salam. I'd say to you, you know, salam. It's the same idea, salam, shalom, peace. But the idea of shalom was to go and make something wrong to make it right. So this is why Jewish people on Sabbath, they would say Shabbat shalom because Shabbat, Sabbath, is supposed to be the day when things that are broken get fixed. When things that are messed up get made right. When areas where you felt all kinds of anxiety, all of a sudden you feel peace. That's sharp, pretty good. Shabbat shalom. Look at someone next to you say Shabbat shalom. In fact, look at someone say shalom. Say salam. This idea of the peace of God. So shalom, it means wholeness rightness, goodness, restoration, joy, hope. Does anybody in this place want shalom? So what does this have to do with the angels? Well, the angels declared glory to God in the highest because, listen, please catch this, we always worship the things that we believe will give us shalom. We always worship the things that, ah, oh, when I was a kid, I was, I was longing for Christmas because I would say to my mom, mom, I'm bored. 
I need something under this tree that's gonna deliver me from my bondage of boredom. Has anyone here ever said, I'm bored? Well, what do we have? We've got plenty of advertisements, plenty of, of things on Instagram and Facebook and, and, and YouTube, that plenty of advertisements that are gonna tell you, if only you got whatever's in here, this would make you happy. And so some of you have grown up and you've said, well, you know what? If only I had a brand new pickleball paddle. If I had a brand new pickleball paddle, I could compete with all my friends that got the good ones. The only reason I'm losing is because I got that $15 Walmart paddle and, and some of them are getting these good ones. And this becomes a functional savior to save me, to deliver me from my hellish pickleball game. And so what we do is watch, we always tend to give glory to the things that we think will give us shalom. Maybe it's, maybe it's not that. Maybe there's some of you are like, man, all I need for Christmas is you. There, there, there's some of us that were like, man, I've been single long enough. I cannot believe how long I've been single. This is ridiculous. I'm already 18 years old, got no prospects for a spouse. And here it is. I'm tired of this stuff. If only I could change my status from single to I got, I got an other. I've got a, a partner. I've got... And the idea is, if only I could find romance, then that would give me shalom. For some people, it's, it's not that. For some people, they're like, you know, you know what I want? If, if, if only I had the new gator gear. If, I, if only if I could get this. If, I, if only I could have exactly what I want. If, if the gators could get the recruits that I want them to have. For some people, they say, all I want is success. If I could get the trophy for the best barista at Arnold's Missions Cafe, I'll tell you what it was for me. I'm just gonna be very honest. I brought here today, I don't know if anybody knows what this is. Somebody tell me what episode this comes from. The Empire Strikes Back. Someone tell me what this is called. You might need to zoom in on this. This is a tauntaun. If this is the only thing you learned today, I will be so offended. <laughs> I will be so upset. What'd you learn today? Uh, I think a Hebrew word, tauntaun, no. <laughs> That's not Hebrew. That's George Lucas, all right? I remember the only white Christmas I ever had, I was in Connecticut visiting my dad, and all I wanted was the Hoth system reality with a tauntaun, with one of the Rebel Alliance troopers to be able to get in here on the Tauntaun. It's, this is awesome, it's amazing. All I wanted was this, and, and the thing is, I was so bored, I needed this, I wanted this. This was my precious, this was the stuff that I wanted. And I said, if only I could get this. And here's the catch. I know we don't use the word worship usually, but we always, we cannot help it. We always worship the things we believe will give us shalom. We always worship, and let me just say it like this. If it was a Christmas tree, there's only space at the top for one thing. We always ascribe the most glory to the thing that we most believe will give us shalom. Church, what I'm trying to tell you is, there's only one thing. There's only one person. There's only one space worthy of your highest praise. That's why the best Christmas tradition, 
I believe, is the first Christmas tradition. And the first Christmas tradition was worship. When you are in stressed modes, worship. When you get, gather together for Christmas, I'm gonna call you to work glory to God in the highest. Now, let me talk to the dads for a minute. Dads, I got no problem with you loving pickleball. I got no problem with you loving the Gators, loving the Green Bay Packers, loving whoever it is, that, the Buffalo Bills, loving whatever baseball team, loving whatever it is that dads, imagine what would happen to our church if kids saw fathers who gave the highest glory to God. Moms, sisters, grandmas, I get it. Like someone really gets into it. You figure out what, like let's say some woman is making moves and she, she just cut a deal and she comes home from her, her business and she's an entrepreneur and she comes home and she just nailed it. And she walks in. I, I, I got no problem with you rejoicing over nailing it in a business deal. But greater than any business deal, greater than any Super Bowl, greater than any national championship, greater than any bonus, Jesus Christ is worthy of the highest praise. Glory to God. Even if you're like, hey, I'm not one of those people that really lifts my hands. Mike, why do you lift my hands? I'll tell you why I do. Because the Bible says, lift your hands to God in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. We're gonna close the service here in a minute. I'm gonna give you a chance to worship and I'm gonna encourage you. I don't like, when I lift my hands, I don't lift my hands because an angel magically lifted. Like, whoa, what is happening? I do it because my body is saying, you alone are worthy of all the glory, of all the praise, of all the honor. Because when he receives the glory, we receive the peace. Ah, because he is the Prince of Peace. And he wants you to know his peace. Why did the angels worship? Because they knew who that was in the manger. Why did the angels worship? Because they knew what he was gonna do. Why did the angels worship? Because they knew the identity of the one that was there. And one day, every being on this planet is gonna see with our very eyes, every eye will behold what the angels beheld on that day, that that child was the king of glory. We know that he was born to be a sacrifice. We know that he would live a sinless life. We know that he would raise the dead. We know that he would walk on water. We know that he would heal the sick. We know that he would speak and mountains would move. We know that he would speak and trees would wither. We know that one day he would go up on a cross where with his very own perfect blood, his life would be extinguished as he paid for all of our sins because we needed the forgiveness that only he could provide. And we will one day know and be able to see what they knew, which was that the grave that he was put in was a tomb that could not contain him because on the third day he would rise from the dead. I'm challenging us when we close this service to worship now like we're gonna worship then because the Bible says one day there will be thousands and thousands and ten thousands of ten thousands gathering together all the tribes, all the languages, all the ethnicities, all the Enneagram types, all the personalities, and they're all gonna gather with one voice and say glory to God in the highest. Mike, what are you saying? I'm saying, could we start doing now what the angel, Jesus said, on earth as it is in heaven. What happened in heaven when Jesus was being celebrated for his birth? The angels showed up in a way that it was, it was thundering. 
I'm, man, I'm praying. We're gonna, we're gonna end on a Christmas carol, but I just gotta tell you, it's a, it's a song I've never really meant most of the times I sang it, but when we sing it today, I'm gonna dare you, even though you're gonna have to read the words, because by the way, it's okay to sometimes sing songs that have more than like six words in them. Sometimes it's okay to sing songs that, that, that make your mind engage, and you're like, wait a minute, born the incarnate deity, hail to him, hail to King Jesus, right? Sometimes it's okay to have to engage your mind and say, Jesus, you are worthy of this. See, when God receives the glory, we receive the peace. Mike, how do we, how do we even apply this? Well, here it is. I, I'm daring us to make our best Christmas tradition the first Christmas tradition. And maybe you've never done it, but I would love to hear stories of six-year-olds in our church that say, whoa, whoa, mom, before we open a present, could we first worship the king? I would love to hear some stories of some, some mothers that they really love the World Cup and they're like, oh, they, they're hitting pause on the World Cup to, to be a church today with their family. Hey, hey, before we celebrate the World Cup, I, I first wanna give glory to God. On Christmas Eve, maybe they have a tradition of, we have a tradition of 42 types of marshmallows in our hot chocolate. And everyone's so excited about the hot chocolate tradition. But if someone says, hey, before we even celebrate the chocolate, how about we celebrate the prince of peace and we give him the glory, the highest place. Watch, Jesus is not jealous of your presence. He loves us giving presents to each other. Jesus is not jealous of your fun. He loves your fun. Jesus is not jealous of flan. There will be flan in heaven, I believe. <laughs> peanut butter cookies, I sure hope they're there. And no more peanut allergies. And those of you with peanut allergies, thou shalt be delivered in heaven and you'll be able to partake. But church, this Christmas season, worship the Lord. What if you're like, we just said family? We've never really made this a big thing, but let's make this a real thing. Like watch, it doesn't have to be hours. It doesn't have to be super long. It doesn't even have to be a song, although it could be. Even if no one sings very well in your family, what if you just said, we do not sing because we're good performers. We sing because he is a good savior. By the way, it's not just Christmas. It's when Christmas is over and you're stressed and, there's a, and you're worried that you're about to lose your job and you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and you can't go back to sleep. Instead of tossing for another hour, here's my challenge. Get out of bed, go sit in a chair, take out your Bible, take out a psalm and begin to give glory to God in the highest. And I'm gonna make you a promise. I don't know how it happens, but when you give him the glory, he gives you the peace. I, <laughs> there's like the wave right there was... I don't know how he does this, but when we give God the praise, when we give God the attention, when we give God the glory, when we give God our gaze, when we give God our behold, when we give God our rapt attention, and when we watch, sometimes I do not worship him because I feel it. Sometimes I worship him because I choose it. And there's something about a sacrifice of praise that is given to God, not because I'm in the mood, but because he is always good. And there's something frankly glorious about a soul that's in the valley of despair, three o'clock in the morning, they get up and there you are in your chair and maybe you just say something like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong, they are weak but he is strong, yes, what's that? For real? Yes. Jesus loves me. 
the Bible tells me so. Maybe you reach one of those points where you just have no peace. But you know, but you know where the shalom comes from. And all of a sudden you start to get reminded. Maybe you read, like today's the 18th. I read Psalm 18 this morning. It says, I love you. Oh Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my refuge. You're the place that I go, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I will be saved from my enemies. Maybe you just say something like, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my king, in what you hear, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet sound. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. I don't just want to say, oh, come let us adore him. I want to adore him. I dream of us being a church that we live in the same world everyone's living, but, but we open up a gate to a kingdom that's real and that's available. Disponible, un reino, reino de Dios, a kingdom that's available now because he is worthy. When, when I hear that old Fred Hammond song, Manger born, put on a tree. You died to save humanity. When, when we hear, that's a Christmas song. These are, these are glorious reminders of the God. When God receives the glory, we receive the shalom. When God receives, I don't know what else is going on. I'm just asking you. Shalom. When we close out, we're going to be closing out with a, a hymn, the, one of the great old hymns. I have frankly never gotten into this. Hark the herald angels sing. I know we say glory to the newborn king. Today I want to say glory to the king of kings. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. And listen, I get it. Most of the Christmas carols, we sort of do them like we're watching the movie Elf. We kind of don't mean it. I'm going to ask as we close out this service, I want us to actually worship. I want us to give him the worship. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim Christ was born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the King of Kings. Glory to the King of Kings. Two things we're gonna, two ways we're gonna end this. Number one, there are some of you here that you need to worship. And you haven't even worshiped yet today, and you need to worship. You belong to Jesus, you love him, you're his. But it's time to worship. And there's a peace that you're gonna give you even as you, some of us are waiting for God to give us the peace. Heaven is waiting for us to give him the glory. Give him the glory, give him the glory. But there's some of you that are here that you don't yet know him. And I was talking to one of our missions partners about a, there was a young lady that was trafficked. She was a slave in Iraq. She had been human trafficked. She was not a Christian. She was from another religion in Iraq. And she was in a desperate spot, living a horrible life. And she was calling out to Allah. Allah, where are you? Are you there? She's asking, if you are there, will you please give me salam? Will you please give me peace? One night she went to bed, very true story. Your dollars help the ministry that supports the group that, where this happened. This woman ends up having a dream. 
In this dream, angels appear to her and they show her a book. It's a book called the book of life. And somehow she knew your name needs to be in this book. Now, just so you understand, the scriptures teach us that on the day of judgment, there will be a book of life. That those that have turned to God and received the grace of God, their names are written in this book called the book of life. And if your name is written there, you are gonna live forever. You will have eternal life. You're gonna have shalom forever. You will be with God forever. All your sins are forgiven if your name is in this book. And she woke up and she was obsessed with this thought. I mean, her life is miserable. She's been a slave. She's been abused by men and others. And, and here she is just crying out to Allah, Allah, God, are you there? Please help me. But somehow she knew I need to be in this book of life. She found some Christians because the angels told her to go find these Christians. She finds these Christians that are doing ministry and they tell her, listen, there is a book of life and it's a book with names and your name needs to be in there. She said, how do I get my name in there? They said, there's nothing you can do to get your name in there. It's something that God has done. She said, what did God do? And they said, listen, I get it. You don't understand this. This is hard to explain. There's only one God, but the one true God is Jesus. One of his names is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's not just like a second or a third God with us. He is almighty God with us. Unbelievable. It's hard to understand, but the true God came and gave himself for your sins up on a cross, up on a tree. He paid the ransom price. He paid, and she knew what that was because she's a slave. You, it takes money to ransom someone out of slavery. Jesus paid the ransom price. He died for sins on a cross. She said, I thought Isa, Jesus did not die. They said, no, he did. The truth is that he did just like he said he would. But on the third day, he rose from the dead and he's alive now. And he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. And whoever puts their faith in him will never perish, but have everlasting life and peace. And this woman, this young lady, she puts her faith in Jesus and her sins were forgiven and her life was changed and she was rescued out of slavery. And she's now a part of this ministry where God is doing amazing things and her name was written in the book of life.